0: Welcome to Level Up, a FEMA audio project for practitioners, where communities share their stories and expertise about building resilience and reducing risk from a disaster. Nevada is one of the five most seismically active states in the nation. Despite this, many people do not know about this risk. There are faults nearly everywhere across Nevada. This means that a magnitude six earthquake can occur anywhere across the state. In 2008, An earthquake that size occurred near Wells, Nevada. It caused damage to many of the historic buildings downtown. This was the largest and most damaging earthquake in the state in decades. The greatest danger comes from Nevada's high number of unreinforced masonry buildings, or URMs. These are structures made of brick or stone that lack reinforcement like steel rebar. In general, between 30% and 40% of URM buildings can have partial to total collapse during strong earthquakes mitigation funding is limited so clark county created a stepwise approach to seismic mitigation it starts with a urm inventory what follows is a conversation between werner helmer a deputy director with the clark county building department in las vegas as well as program manager for the clark county unreinforced masonry program and emily breen a community planner with fema region 9. This episode will explore how Clark County is creating this
1: inventory. This episode was recorded in July 2022. So in a nutshell, can you describe the Clark County URM inventory project?
2: Originally, this came from the Nevada Earthquake Safety Council. It was a project that was intended to address the concern over unreinforced masonry structures in Nevada. Prior efforts to this survey were made at the state level and basically another team went in and reviewed assessors data records throughout the state of Nevada to identify buildings that were identified as masonry. They put together what we would consider kind of a master list and When it was all said and done, it indicated that there were potentially more than 14,000 unreinforced masonry structures in unincorporated Clark County and uh, within the borders of the incorporated cities in Clark County. Our primary goal started to identify, do we really have 14,000 unreinforced masonry structures? Is it more? Is it less? But what we really wanted to do is identify, is that a realistic number? And when we finished phase one of our screening, what we came to appreciate, and it's a good thing, we don't believe we have anywhere near 14,000 URMs in Clark County. It gave us a much better indication of our actual counts.
1: What would you say is the ultimate goal of the work of this unreinforced masonry inventory? Is it retrofitting? Is it something else?
2: I'd have to say that our ultimate goal is just to make people aware of what's happening, what their options are. Our hope is that we can work collaboratively with them so that they can make an informed decision. We're not trying to chase people out of these buildings. We're trying to make them appreciate that there are certain risks associated with being in an unreinforced masonry building in an earthquake, and that there's ways to mitigate those risks many people live and occupy these unreinforced masonry structures they simply aren't aware of that being a concern nobody's ever told them that in an earthquake these structures are potentially more vulnerable. The message we really want to push be prepared and then hopefully we can work to mitigate some of these risks whether that be through strengthening, retrofitting, in some cases Demolition may be the best choice for these structures, not in all. Um, We would like to encourage the preservation of some of these structures where it's deemed appropriate by an owner, their desires, how they want to use the building.
0: Clark County's URM inventory took a multi-phased approach. The first phase looked at roughly 4,700 buildings in unincorporated Clark County to determine if they were URMs. The second looked at the other 10,000 structures found within the incorporated cities. This phase was paused during the pandemic. The department has since resumed its efforts. It hopes to complete this phase and land on a list of about 1,400 buildings. The team would visit each building to take notes and photos. Then, to the best of their ability, they would assess if each structure was a URM. The third phase entails revisiting structures that they were unable to access or classify from the first two phases. The final phase, phase four, will entail publishing the updated map and initiating community outreach to educate people on managing risks associated with URMs.
1: When you all went out on the ground to actually inventory these places, who all was involved in that?
2: The first part of the project was started under a FEMA grant, and we began that portion of the project by hiring a couple of student interns that worked part-time for us. I provided support. Some of our finance staff provided a little bit of support to basically facilitate the student interns. I trained them. We provided project management and oversight. But basically, the students did all of the legwork. I would sometimes go out with them. We would, in a few instances, have other staff members go out and assist them. But the majority of our survey to present has been conducted by three and actually a fourth student intern who worked on it for a brief time. Our department has on and off had interns from UNLV, University of Nevada, at Las Vegas, for probably the last 12, 15 years. So when we put out the call and we started looking at students that were interested, we ended up, our first two interns, we gave them approximately 40 hours of what might be considered classroom or academic type training, where we talked about building construction, how to identify a wood-framed building versus a steel-framed building versus a concrete framed building or a masonry building. We wanted to make sure that the students had good familiarity with the different types of construction, and then actually being able to understand how the building was supported.
1: And just to get into a little bit of the details of that inventory, were there particular criteria that the students were looking for when they were doing this inventory?
2: We created a series of categories that we thought were very helpful to us. We had a big list of all of the structures and we started going down the list investigating them. Whenever we stepped up uh, and got close enough to a building to be able to see it, we wanted to classify it in one of several ways. So our first category was we couldn't actually get close enough to the building to make a determination. We just wanted to clearly note that. We don't know because we didn't have enough information to be able to do the survey. Maybe that's phase three or phase four. When we were able to get close, in some instances, we found no structure. So when we found no structure, we wanted to come back, do research, look at aerial photography. In many instances, we were able to identify that a structure had been demolished, which in the case of unreinforced masonry was a good thing because a structure that isn't there doesn't really pose any risk to its inhabitants or the public at large. In other instances, we were able to see a structure, but but potentially we were unable to determine. If you plaster the outside, put some form of wood, metal, or vinyl siding, it didn't really give us the visual tools we needed to make a determination. We don't want to say that it's not unreinforced because we simply didn't know, so we marked them as unable to determine. And then the last elements basically were, yes we did determine that a URM existed based on a visual observation only, based upon a visual observation, also using tools, we have rebar detectors that we utilized. Or lastly, the structure was not URM.
1: In general, were building and homeowners cooperative? Were they inquisitive?
2: That was really all over the map. In some instances, people were initially put off by what we were doing. It brought out people's natural curiosity. We actually prepared a little handout that our uh, students could hand to the public that described what we were trying to achieve. In a few instances, people asked us to leave. We respected that request. A lot of folks early on would come out, particularly when we were doing the residential surveys. Why are you looking at my house? Why are you taking pictures of my house? What are those tools you have with you? And we explained what we were doing. But I would say across the board, we tended to receive more favorable interaction with the public than not favorable.
0: At its core, the project is intended to educate, aid, and benefit the public the inventory project was not state or municipally mandated. So the survey was mostly done through visual observations from outside and in public view. Clark County chose to not do public outreach before the inventory to avoid alarming the public. After the initial inventory is done, phase four is meant to bring the community back into the fold.
2: Hopefully the next step is that community outreach and also through collaboration with the community perhaps obtaining permission to enter some of these structures where we didn't have access or weren't able to do a proper visual inspection. And then obviously opening the door for a tenant, an owner of a property to come in and question why their structure was deemed as being an unreinforced masonry structure. And the nature of our list We don't want it to be viewed as punitive, so we want to be very cognizant that it's possible we've made a mistake. We want to provide the constituents and our citizens the ability to address whether or not they thought we've made a mistake. We also will afford them the opportunity if they hire consultants to evaluate their building. We will absolutely be willing to update and maintain the list. And our ultimate goal would be to continue to document instances where unreinforced masonry structures have been demolished or, in some cases, we may actually see them retrofitted. Once it's been properly retrofitted, obviously the risk has been mitigated, the concern isn't there. We also want to provide fair credit to acknowledged property owners that have made repairs to improve the seismic performance of their buildings that are URM.
1: Do you anticipate providing a checklist to community members on how to change a structure's classification or ways to hire a pro once that information is released to the public?
2: Yes, we already have some of that information in draft form. I would like very much to provide this information in an effort to assist the community. I don't think most people would knowingly or willingly move into a structure that was potentially unsafe, but it's also important to note that A building isn't by default unsafe because it's unreinforced masonry.
0: The URM Inventory Project is part of a larger plan to mitigate seismic risk in Clark County. Its data can be shared with sister departments. The data can be used in modeling for emergency management. It has also been shared with local firefighters. Clark County sought grant funding through FEMA's National Earthquake Hazards Reduction Program, administered by the Earthquake Engineering Research Institute or EERI.
2: Our project initially started with a fund from FEMA that was administered through EERI. And it helped us a lot. It was basically the action that got the ball rolling for us. We received a $17,000 grant, and we had a two to one match on that. So our department put up $2 for every dollar that was grant funded. And it really helped us start our project and get momentum. We subsequently obtained partial additional funding through grants. We had our unreinforced masonry iOS app that was funded again through a FEMA grant. We coordinated with our state division of emergency management. We coordinated with our local emergency management staff and received partial funding to pay for some of the costs of the surveys. It wasn't terribly difficult to obtain the funding. It's just a matter of one, being aware that it's available, and then two, having those communications with your emergency managers at both the local and state level to be able to understand how the request can be made. The funding really helped us get started, and I would encourage other communities looking to pursue similar activities Have those conversations, reach out to FEMA, reach out to your state and local emergency managers and look into what some of those options are.
1: Now that you've had some time away from it, what would you say worked particularly well about this inventory project?
2: We spent a lot of upfront time trying to identify how are we gonna inspect more than 14,000 buildings? And we really tried to break it up into bite-sized pieces. We developed a form that was very simple. We also determined early on that while we were there, we were going to make notes of other relevant things that could be useful in the future. So whenever we noted unreinforced masonry chimneys or parapets or other features that might be deemed as frail, we wanted to make sure to gather that information. It was kind of like a bonus. We're already standing there right in front of the building let's take advantage of this and note some of these other things that we might be able to do to help these property owners understand how to improve the performance of their buildings in an earthquake. Our biggest struggle, I'd have to say, was just sheer volume. 14,000 is a really big number. Hopefully, when we're done, that number will be substantially less than 14,000, and then we'll be able to better focus and hone our interests and efforts on the structures that we believe are in fact URM. One of the things that helped me out tremendously when we were starting with our study was collaboration with other communities that had undertaken prior efforts. would like to open the door to any other community that is considering undertaking a similar effort. Whatever we can do to assist, lessons learned, shared, if they want to bounce ideas off us, we'd like to open that door to them. I know how much it helped us. I have a lot of assistance. I reached out to California, I reached out to Utah. It really was helpful to be able to collaborate with some of our colleagues that are like-minded that kind of helped shape and guide where we ended up going with our project. I'd like to share that opportunity to others that are maybe in that starting phase of undertaking theirs.
0: In the spirit of sharing, FEMA Region 9 developed the Natural Hazard Retrofit Program Toolkit. This is a guide to design a disaster-resilient building retrofit program in your community. It includes step-by-step guidance on how to design a building inventory. It also explores how to define program goals, apply for funding, establish retrofit construction standards, conduct outreach, and much more. As Clark County has shown, a stepwise or phased approach to seismic mitigation can help counties with fewer resources create a path to improve a community's resilience to earthquakes. Creating a robust building inventory is no small feat. Understanding your community's risks and creating a good baseline is essential for any future mitigation action. This episode of Level Up was produced by FEMA Region 9's Mitigation Division and Resilience Action Partners – It was made available to you through a partnership with the georgetown climate center the georgetown climate center serves as a resource to state and local governments working to cut carbon pollution and adapt to climate change impacts we thank them for helping to strengthen our community of hazard mitigation and climate adaptation professionals for additional information and access to the climate center's adaptation clearinghouse with thousands of free legal policy and planning resources and case studies Visit georgetownclimate.org. To learn more about the topics and programs mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes.